Joining me in the studio, as they do often on Wednesday, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz for our weekly uh, political go-around left, right, and center. Gentlemen, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Bob, let me say again publicly, thank you for filling in uh, uh, last week. I very much appreciate you doing that. It was fun. Different experience. I got some uh, very good response to the fact that you'd been in here. I appreciate you doing that. And Jeff, uh, you were were away. You were on holidays, were you? Was that the story? Down south, yeah. Oh, that's right. You were in Florida. Yes. Yes. And it was nice? Yeah, it was great. Good. Wish I was there. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I want to I want to talk with our guests today about something that I did yesterday on the show, and uh, and I've received some email about it, uh, some supportive email, and a couple of questioning, well, questioning. Here's here's what I said essentially. I, I I issued a warning and I said, be careful about what's coming from the provincial government and the federal government prior to the imminent elections on both fronts. Imminent. Uh, you know, a few months, a, a year, maybe federally, or maybe not. We don't know, but in the relatively near future, I said, just be careful because there's two new budgets coming out. They're going to dump tons of money into Ontario, tons and tons and tons of money into Ontario because Mr. Harper desperately needs Ontario if he hopes to form a majority government, and uh, Mr. McGinty desperately needs to do something because he's broken so many promises. Uh, you know, he, you look at you look at the record of the last few years. You kind of go, well, okay, but so anyway, he wants to he wants to show people that in fact he he has done and can do positive things for them. So he'll be dumping lots of money back into uh, Ontario. And I said, beware of that. Uh, vote for these people based on what they give us if you choose to do so. But beware of what they're trying to do. They are indeed trying to buy your votes. Anyway, I got a couple of emails from people that said, no, Jim, that's not right, and it's not fair to say that. They're not buying the votes. This is our money. And one fellow went on at quite some length about the, the Fed's giving us more money back. He said they darn well should because the, you know, the balance of payments has been way out of whack for a long time. Uh, they're not bribing us. They're giving us our due if they dump a lot of money into Ontario. So I thought today, since Bob and Jeff were coming in, that this was a perfect opportunity to ask them what they think about this, the, this kind of pre-election uh, budgeteering uh, uh, vote uh, well, vote buying or not, whether, whether it is vote buying or whether it is a legitimate way for uh, the various levels of government to uh, to uh, put money back into the into the uh, constituencies f- f- whence the money came originally. I mean, they're going to do it anyway. They're going to spend this money at some point to buy the things that they want to buy or they promise they're going to buy. Is there anything particularly wrong in doing it in the lead up to an election, Jeff? I'd start with you. Uh, no, I don't think there is, and I think that. Uh what, what the government is really saying is that they're doing two things. One is that they're looking busy, and uh, they need to look busy uh, in order for us to give them a reason to uh, to stay in power. At least they perceive it that way. And I think the other thing is that they uh, neither of them are talking about increasing taxes, for instance. So what they're essentially doing is shifting around spending and saying, you know, this is going to be our priority instead of that. And the instead of that part is, is usually much in a much softer voice. But... Effectively, that's what the game is, and what they're doing essentially is taking polls and trying as best they can to figure out what most of us want and uh, tell us that's what we're going to do for you. And in some respects, this is the closest you get to uh, a democracy in that sense, because after the election, when they know they've got four years, that's when they're a lot less likely to to have their ear closely to the ground and a lot more likely to do things that uh, that they figure that they're most likely to get through just after the election because they're not really accountable for another four years. Bob? Um, I disagree with your critics, Jim. I think they are buying our votes, only it's worse than, than your critics think. They're buying our votes with our money. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, the government can't give you anything that it doesn't take away from you in the first place, and that's the flaw in the whole scheme of things. <laughs> but, um, you know, ever since I've been in politics, and this was even true under the Harris years here in Ontario, it is a sad fact, and it's been commented on in, in all sorts of media, that a government is judged by the amount it spends. If it, it's the only thing you can measure. If, if you say, even in health care, let's say, um, improved service might not be a result of increased spending. It might be because, you know, there's better workings in the market, more doctors come online, there's more economic things, but a government can't prove any of those things or even measure them. Mm -hmm. What it can measure is what it spends. And therefore, the battle becomes between uh, one party saying, I'll spend this much and I'll spend that much. It's so ironic that during the, the federal election, with, when the Reform Party was still around, Reform Party candidates were promising to outspend the Liberals on health care. Going back to uh, previous, you know, 10 years back, we're going to increase the budget by that amount. So that even they couldn't find anything to appeal to uh, what is it? You know, a greedy public that wants money for nothing. I don't. I don't get it. What, why do we even bother with wealth transfers? They're harmful to the country. Yeah, but we do that. But they are reality, and they're happening. And they're yeah, going but to happen yesterday. Harper gave a billion and a half sure. dollars to Toronto to improve its public transit. Uh, people in Toronto would say, "Well, we deserve that money. Our public transit needs improvement, and the, and the feds had the money." Well, I don't know on what grounds they say they deserve it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be some kind of moral grounds. It's well, because they've been paying taxes a, for it, I think well, that would be their argument. No, they weren't paying taxes for that. They've been paying taxes for that on their municipal tax base and on possibly provincial, but federal—that's a whole other ball game. That's just wealth transfer. Well, one aspect of it, I think you're right, though, is that you really do have to pay attention because I recall that uh, various times over the years where you'll see there, there are two things that happen. One is that the government needs to um, to announce things that are visible and so for instance as Bob says they're not going to get any brownie points by announcing that they've come out and run something more efficiently than they have in the past it just doesn't have the oomph of here's a big new program uh, so the government I think tends to announce lots of new programs rather than working on getting the ones they've got going working better uh, the other thing that, that we've often seen them do is announce the same money over and over and over again. So uh, they'll say, oh, we're putting this doll dollars into whatever, and you'll see that in the reading the paper one day, oh, that's great, and then two weeks later you'll read about uh, another thing, but it really is the same money. Or, for instance, they'll announce money that they've that they've uh, uh, allocated from years ago uh, and, and uh, say we're going to spend this, that, and the other thing. So you really do have to read the fine print to figure out exactly what it is that they're saying they're going to do. And the other part, of course, is after the election, you need to keep their feet to the fire to actually have them do what they say they're going to do. Uh, and again, it is true, I think, that we unfortunately are more dazzled by new programs with nice big logos in the background and all that stuff than we are by uh, somebody coming out and saying, you know, this program cost us X dollars last year. We delivered the same service this year for X dollars less. It just doesn't have the same front page value. Well, it, but, but is it who would make that judgment then? Perhaps we're looking at the wrong people. I mean, it, it seems to me that if a government did do that and did present that in a cogent and understandable fashion, that it should be perhaps be on the front page. Is it the media that just keeps pushing for the big for the big story? I, know, I think part of it is that a lot of the stories are hard to explain in a headline. And uh, we have, for better or worse, mostly for better, I think, we've got a culture of auditors, of provincial and federal auditors, who go for the the easy catch, if you like, they go for the gross misspending, and that's what makes the headline and so on. Um, if they were to report that a particular program worked well in a year and, and came in under budget or whatever, I say, I really don't think you're going to see that in the front page. 
it's just not news. And I, I recall uh, uh, one time somebody in the media saying that, uh, well, the thing is that when things work out the way they're supposed to, that's not newsworthy. Nobody's going to buy a newspaper that says that. We need, want the newspaper that says, oh, my God, here's what happened. Well, that's, that, you know, to pick up on your point about them announcing the same funds over and over again, it reminded me of Yes Minister. I think it's even deeper than that. Those funds were already planned years ago, and it's just carefully crafted mm-hmm. how the release of it is. But the bottom line is this. If the total spending of government goes up, your taxes go up. It's just as simple as that. Whether they're deferred or put off, you know, you, you offset debt and taxes. It's mm-hmm. all the same thing. It's coming out of your pocket. And as far as I know, I think total spending keeps going up. I haven't heard that the actual total spending of government, federal, provincial, municipal, anywhere, has remained stable or dropped. What would happen, though, if they were to drop spending? What do you think would happen? A disaster if they did not at the same time. That's why you need a cohesive plan, a cohesive body of people that know what they're doing. Uh, you have to free up the marketplace. You see, you've seen these disasters before where they deregulate part of a system but not the whole thing, like mm-hmm. the California electric situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they deregulated, uh, I believe, oh, they kept wholesale prices. One, of, one or the other was not deregulated. One was fixed and the other was deregulated and suddenly they didn't have electricity, mm-hmm. right? And so you can see the same thing happening when uh, people only put a part of a plan in. You can't just... Uh, cut taxes and then expect, for example, the hospitals to keep running if you don't let people pay their own hospital bills. You have to get rid of those laws, too. So it's not it's not a, a simple solution to anything in terms of freeing up the market and that kind of stuff and just simply lowering taxes. You can't do that in a vacuum. All right, speaking of vacuums, that's not apropos of anything. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> I abhor a vacuum. Yeah, really. We're going to pause for just a moment or two. We'll be back. With more right after this. Love him or hate him, you can't live without him. Jim Chapman on 94.9 FM CHRW. We're back, left, right, and center, Slammer and Mets. Uh, it turns out we, we did have something to talk about vacuums because Bob has to go home and do his vacuuming, and I <laughs> bought a new vacuum yesterday. I don't know where that came from at all. But guys, if we, if we go back to uh, first principles here, the idea that Rightly or wrongly, the governments take and the government the governments giveth and the governments taketh away. Although they taketh away first, and then if we're lucky, they giveth a little bit back. Um, when they come down the pipe, Bob, and you said earlier we talked about this money that they promise and then promise again and then promise again and promise mm-hmm. again. Uh, whose job should it be to hold them accountable for that? Should we? Should we pass legislation saying you can't do that? Should we? You know? I'm not sure. I mean, hold, hold accountable to well, for the example, way they announced them or the, the money they, itself. The way they announced them, because okay. we all, every, all three of us here have seen situations, and, and Jeff, you work with it too, with the governments where they've come forward and said, "Ah, oh, here's a few million dollars for such and such and so and so," and you cut through all the fine print and get down to the practicalities, and you realize it's not new money at all. It's money they'd promised once before, or twice before, or thrice before. You just didn't get it. Maybe you don't get it now. Um, and we let them get away with that. Is that something we should be looking more carefully at? Well, if you take that option away from them, then all we'll have left is global warming. Because <laughs> that's the only, the only other thing they can talk about out there. And that they don't have to be ever held accountable for that because climate change is a fact of nature. And uh, trying to fight it, it would be an eternal battle. What a wonderful issue to take on. It'd be like the drug war, you know, never ending. And uh, eternal funds forever and ever, never have to justify it, never have to explain it, just go on that linear thinking that, yeah, this will solve the problem when it actually increases the problem. But I, I see us heading for trouble. I, I, I don't see, uh, the world is, a, is in a precarious state, you know, and even before great crises, 
um, things looked rosy in many places in the world, even in uh, pre-war eras, you know, of many countries. And all of a sudden, uh, the freedom they took for granted, whatever limited degree they had of it, was gone overnight. It seemed, you know. Although and, and it the world's always in trouble one way or another. Which is? All, the world. But, but it, <laughs> well, you know, it is, and isn't that kind of we, sad, We shouldn't though. be emulating the world. We should, we should have stuck to our free, free trade, free market, those early British principles of, you know, sailing the high seas and protecting the open oceans, and that's what the, that's what the British were about. That's why they became an empire. I've just been reading a been reading a uh, uh, story about the Russian Revolution and a fellow who who sort of it's it's fiction but it's it's from what I know historically pretty accurate and he knows all the main players for a variety of reasons and they weave in and out of the story but it's terribly terribly depressing to read anything about that revolution and and, and what happened in that country for the next fifty years it's terribly depressing to read that. Because there's a sense of inevitability about it as you as you read it, you know, thing everything just seems to go down the dumper. At every opportunity, something goes wrong. And if you look around the world, I think you could make the point that in politics, anyway, that is often the case. Uh, we've been very fortunate in this part of the world that we've not suffered that kind of of revolutionary upheaval. And yet, you could still make the case, I think, that we pay an awful lot of money for the kinds of services and things we get from our government compared to the actual value we get back. Is there any way out of that, or are we sort of stuck on this merry-go-round? I know, Jeff, you said before that you think we do get good value for the tax dollars we pay. You don't mind paying your taxes. Well, I said that if I get good value, I don't mind paying my taxes. And I guess part of the problem is that I, I really don't have any better ability to assess whether a particular service provided by government is is provided efficiently than I, than I do with the private sector. I look at gas prices, for instance, and I can't tell... Uh, emits all the rhetoric back and forth whether I'm getting a good value when I buy a liter of gas. Uh, am I getting a good value for that gas? I don't know. You're getting uh, a terrific value, and you should be able to know that, Jeff, because yeah, the information that changes a lot. It, you have, it's a lot it's, better sometimes than others. You know, I I remember the last time that that uh, a liter of gas was above a buck, and everybody was just screaming the end of the world. And I'd get mm. on the radio stations and I'd call in. Look, it's all going to drop again. It's it's all supply and demand, and even on a local scale. The worst thing that can happen to a business is to run out of something that they're selling. Mm-hmm. And they'd rather jack their prices up, <laughs> you know, to keep at least some supply in. Even if you've got one liter left, you know, <laughs> get that price up there so at least somebody can come in the door and, and know that you've got something if they need it. And, uh, you know, it's just the idea that we're gouging. Gas is very cheap. John Stossel in his book, um, you know, Lies, Myths, and Stupidity or something like that, talks about how when you look at the processing that gas has to go through, the way it has to be supplied, refined, it works out cheaper than water mm-hmm. per liter if they had to get water to you in the same way. And it's just stunning that it is that. And you can see it. You know, you never hear people ever complain or bring up the fact when, you know, the price is up now and it's going to drop back down to 60 or 70. Oh, I don't hear anybody saying, uh, explain the process to me, please. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm being gouged in reverse, you know. Instead, what they want, like Newfoundland and other provinces, what they did was they, uh, they wanted to solve the problem, so they froze gas at certain prices, right? And uh, so what ha- what ends up happening is that they have they get rationed if the gas price goes higher, or they just ignore the the, the price freeze. But basically, they're paying you know eighty to a buck when the rest of the world's paying sixty. 
Would so, I, so they get stuck that, at that okay. price. My, my extent of economics background is taking Economics 101 in university, and what I've never seen happen is what I was told would happen in, in first-year economics, which was that uh, there would always be somebody who will sell for less than the other guys, that competition being what it is, there somebody is. It will always happens. try and come in cheaper, and yet what I see is, and I've been away for a week, but when I left, Esso had had a fire at a refinery, and that immediately caused all of its competitors to raise their prices quite a bit, and I'm thinking... I would have thought the opposite, that this was an opportunity for them. They could make, make uh, an, uh, sell more gas at Esso's expense because the they've still got the gas at the same price they did the p- before, but it seems like lockstep, the prices all go up. And I've just never understood that as being anything because other than of, oligopoly. Because the, marketpla- the marketplace is what determines the price, and everybody follows the price, just like in housing and everything. Everybody's price in a, in a neighborhood for the same type of house is roughly the same, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not because they all got together and signed a thing, oh, let's put all our houses at that price. That's because they all know that that's what they're going to get But for what we it. find, though, is that when a, when a refinery has a fire or, or its refinery gets blown down by Hurricane Katrina or whatever, they seem to make more money in those years. At the end of the year, you check their profits. Their profits are higher than they are in the what years when that? everything's working properly. Well, the, the, the profits of the of the company whose refinery burned, though, are theirs higher? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, and like Exxon last year had the highest profit of any That's company exactly in the history when of they mankind. Need those profits. You know how many billions of dollars it takes to go exploring and find that? The oil and the gas that we use, and the but for you and I, if something gets wrecked or burned down or whatever, that's that's a bad thing for us. But for them, when something gets wrecked or burned down, it's a good thing. It means their shareholders are going to make a lot that's more money nonsense. in that year. Well, well that's exactly what happened nonsense. after that's Katrina. Absolutely. So, well, so like, my point was that I can't tell whether the government is is giving me a good deal any better than I can government tell whether will never Exxon or Esso is giving me a good deal. If the government, was I have a lot of suspicion about Esso yeah. and Exxon based on everything I've seen. Simple rule: if somebody forces you to pay for something against your will, it's not a good deal. It's as simple as that. Otherwise, they would not have to force. I don't want to buy gas. I'm forced if, to buy it. If I came to you and said, "Look, it, I've got a, I can, I can give you medicine and free health care for X dollars, and I can undercut everybody. I can actually do it. You're going, you don't need to be forced to take that insurance policy. Okay, you're going to take I'm, it willingly. The same as I'm not forced to buy gas, but I seem to do it anyway. Seem to need to do it. Then so what are you complaining about? Well, that's what Quite I'm saying. Seriously, My, what are you complaining? I'm about? not complaining. I'm saying I can't tell whether a dollar spent in government is better spent than a dollar with Exxon. If I get Exxon the right to make to to provide me with get, everything I want, what not you, need but what want. What do you get for your dollar? Am I going to get a better value or what not? Do you I know get for your dollar. I know the guy at Exxon, uh, the CEO, yeah, is going to make is not a hundreds business. of millions of dollars, whereas the guy administering the program in the government's going to make a, a few hundred thousand dollars. So that money's come right off the top. Now maybe the guy at Exxon is hundreds of times smarter and harder working than the guy in government. That may be, although it seems hard to understand. Like I, I don't think there are people the, that have ten Jeff, times more intelligence than fu- other people. The function of a government is to administer justice. You of all people, no, no. The function of government is to is to keep a civil society going. Well, that's that means administering justice ways and it. not well, operating in business in competition with the same same businesses that are paying taxes to that government. That's another thing. You know, you get the government and oil business, and all the other taxes that are being paid by the competing companies are going to their competition. And it's the same in any business where government gets into business, and they, in the entertainment and hospitality business in this city here. The city is competing with the local merchants and the people who could be bringing a lot of this stuff to us. Like what, for example? Well, it's up to them. I'm not in that industry. I wouldn't even know what's going on. But I, no, I don't understand what you mean. You mean you, you think there are local promoters who would be bringing Elton John to town? No, it's not somebody that big. Not because I don't think the economics would carry it in the private sector. And that's true. It wouldn't. And that's why uh, the Jalal Bat Center loses three hundred thousand bucks a month, right? Paid by the taxpayer. No, they don't. Don't they? No. Doesn't the city kick in three hundred thousand bucks a month? No. I'm. That's my understanding. When no. did that stop? Absolutely not. Three hundred thousand a month? Yeah. 
I've no. heard the mayor actually justify that expense as a good thing because it brings money into the city. Well, that's a, that's a new figure to me. I'd okay. Have to, I'd well, have to go on, I'll have to go and look that one up. It, it certainly was a figure that I was familiar with, and I think I've got it in writing and in a few well, places that would, I've had on Well, that would suggest, then, that they are losing $3.6 million each and every year, and I don't if believe you look that's at the it case that way, at all. Um, well, I think you might want to check that out. Well, I will. But there are other facilities as well that lose, quote, get government funding. You see, when you're getting government funding, if you need that government funding, that represents a loss to the business in itself. That means the business could not function without that money. And therefore, were it not for the government funding, that's a loss. And that's why I'm calling it a loss. Anything government puts into something, to say nothing of the capital. Well, what, about the, what about the argument, and Bombardier is the great example of this, that governments investing in private enterprise can create jobs, create tax spin-offs, create all sorts mm-hmm. of wonderful, wonderful things. That well, Canada, again, Canada is, a, is a leader in the uh, executive and slightly larger aircraft industry because the, the successive liberal governments have dumped billions of dollars into Bombardier. It depends how you dump the money in there. We're a leader in entertainment as well, but we, not, we don't pour money into it. We give tax credits. <laughs> we, we tell the businesses, you don't have to pay as much taxes. Okay, Now, you, a lot of people look at that as the same thing, but mm-hmm. it's not the same thing as taking money from Peter and giving it to Paul. You're just saying, Peter, keep a little bit of your own money. We're not taking it, for, or, or, you know, we're not taking it from anybody. But again, you're dealing with anything the government does, it, it makes it visible. Sure, they can create a company and they can build uh, housing for the poor and stuff, but everything they build is taken away from somewhere else. When the government creates jobs, why is it we always see the unemployment rate go up? Because they're taking away little jobs here and there that can't be seen individually, you know, because it's, it's fringe on every little industry. And But what they sure can point out to the 20 jobs they created, you know. And so it's a visible thing. It's all a game. And, and, and it's a net loser. It only makes sense. So what should we do then when we're presented with the governments coming forward in the next few months with all of these uh, goodies and we're trying to decide who's going to get our vote? What criteria should we use to uh, make that determination? Well, to me, when a government comes, comes with goodies, I see that as a reason not to vote for them. And so I don't. If I hear one of these days on the federal scene, (laughs) I'm not involved federally yet, maybe I'll hear an honest politician out there telling it like it is, but it isn't happening quite yet. And, um, uh, you know, we just can't keep going the way we're going. I don't think government's sustainable. That's the real thing that's not sustainable, not the economy and the environment and all. That's government that's not sustainable at the rate it's growing. Jeff, I saw saw a billboard on the way back uh, yesterday in Ohio, and the billboard said, fight mannequinism, uh, pay attention when you vote. And, and I think that that is the biggest thing that, uh, again, you're going to have to parse through what everybody says and figure out uh, in a lot of ways when I look at, for instance, the provincial election and a federal one coming up, there aren't really a lot of differences between the parties. And on the things that they've staked out positions, there isn't a big difference. It's the same with the Democrat, Democrats and Republicans. Usually on the big issues, they're not that far apart. Uh, and it's a question of looking in the, the devils in the details, looking in the details, who do you think is one who's more likely to deliver, uh, bearing in mind that nobody's going to make you really happy. On the other hand, that's life. Uh, but how do you tell it? it how don't forget, most voters want that money. They think they're getting a deal. Yeah. Well, well, send the money to Ontario. <laughs> you know, like, oh, boy. Well, but I, I think, I think all they're saying there is, they're saying this money came from Ontario and it went to another province. Oh, that's just Ontario. all a mind game. That's, no, that's but that's the argument. Yeah, well, you know. It's, it's, you don't think there's any validity to that? We, we know well, that the, the balance of payments is, you know, Ontario pays out a lot more than it takes back. 
Yeah, but it all comes out of the same net taxpayer. It depends what collective you want to form in your head. Do I view myself today as an Ontarian, as a, as a municipal citizen of London, or as a Canadian? Uh, they can group you in any group, or even by your needs. Uh, are, you, are you in a poor class? And, and direct money to those groups. It's all group warfare. It's all interest groups, special interests, all competing for the same tax dollars, well, that's part of which what is makes not it so a proper hard. function of government. The, the, only, peop- was. the only people who spend a lot of time looking at what government is doing are, are people who have an interest in it one way or another. So like inevitably, and, and this is the way it's reported, it's like the right-wing think tank said this, the left-wing think tank said that. It's so hard to find somebody who doesn't already have a preconception going into it that they're looking to, to just support or justify with findings. But you'll find their interest is always money. It's not about justice and the proper way to run government. In fact, they don't care about that. Well, they no, just want to use that government to get some something for nothing. And if the government's willing to do it, they line up. There are groups that are about <laughs> liberty. There's Democracy Watch. There's people that aren't necessarily about the dollars, but they're about something. Gentlemen, the boys are playing in the background. That means we are out of time. Thank both of you. Bob Matz and Jeff Schlemmer, always a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing. It's just right.